one of these controls you, right? <laughs> hey, uh, most important topic. Uh, is this a drinking show? Is anybody else drinking? <laughs> Armando is not. Guthrie is. So that nice. means I, I will. Uh, so I'm oh, going to totally. go grab one in just a minute. Okay. But I wasn't going to be the only one if, if uh, for whatever reason, nobody else was. You know. Oh, why not? Well, I, I don't want to be that guy. I guess oh. I don't need to be that guy. It's I, I, I have no problem with it. I would I'd be no, happy to be that me. guy. And yet. All right. I'm going to go grab a drink. I'll be right back. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Armando Luna. And I am Brock Dittis. Did you miss me? We're broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland in Portland, Oregon, uh, nestled in the heart of Cascadia, and also from Salem, where I am located. Uh, nice. But it's, it's the internet, and everybody's on the internet, so it doesn't really matter anymore. I heard it's not too bad there. Not, not, it's not so bad. This is a show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, transit, and trains, adventures, and my favorite, life hacks. And today, Guthrie Straw talks with us about hitting the road and all of the life hacks that he employed along the way. Oh, hello. It's hey me, there. Guthrie Straw. <laughs> You get to be the, the subject of the show as opposed to the, uh, uh, what, uh, the, uh, the host. Yeah, I told someone it's uh, Guthrie's COVID adventures. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thankfully it was not. But I'm happy to talk more about that. <laughs> well, in a different way. How I learned to stop worrying and love the virus. Um, yeah, it, it, you've, you've had a bunch of adventures, Guthrie, and I think uh, I've always been impressed by your level of precaution. I think you are probably better at COVID precautions than anybody else I know, and probably better than anybody else on this, this show, at least. You know, no, no disrespect to you, of course, Armando, or any of our other hosts, but I think Guthrie's got his approach dialed down. But Yeah, I like to think of it as how I got a bike trip in and nobody got hurt. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no one died when, when Guthrie rides. Um, yeah, there's a slogan in there somewhere. Are you running for president <laughs> soon? Oh, heck no. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, <laughs> running like away from president. Yeah. Job is filled <laughs> for now. So uh, you got a while to ramp up your campaign if, if you so choose. But, uh, yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, before we do, uh, how is everybody? Do we <laughs> Not know, so great. Do we know, okay. my, so I found out my daughter... She's got, you know, she's at, she's at Oregon State University, so she's living in housing, and one of their, somebody in the group of their friends um, tested positive, because they're actually doing a really good job at Oregon oh, State. They're, yeah. they're testing the wastewater in the residence halls. They are, when the, when the students came back from winter break, they started testing everybody every week. And I don't know where they're getting all these tests, but every right, week they get tested. Hard. Yeah. Well, yeah. up here it has. And right. so, uh, so one of them tested positive so uh she's been tested twice since then but we're gonna she's gonna come home and and sort of quarantine 
at her mom's house. So it's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and I guess what well, it's, it's like if one has to quarantine, they all have to quarantine because you can't for at least from testing the wastewater, you can't track down who it was. It's all coming out of the same pipe. So, right. But this was, this was the actual person testing. Oh, that. the person. Oh, yeah. I see. So, okay. So they've been really like careful about monitoring the situation, but this is an identifiable individual case. So um, correct. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, she I think, was what close they, I think yeah, I think after, uh, after winter break, they decided, you know what, let's just test everybody coming back to school every week. So that's what they're doing. And so this, so, so this individual was identified, and uh, he's in her pod, I guess, if you want to call it that. And the individual's gender has also been identified. Yes, yes, it has. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it, the nice thing is that at least the way it seems is that the younger you are, um, the the better it goes if you're trying to kick the thing, if you have it. Right. Um, so uh, so the biggest challenge is precautions, right? And just kind of keeping keeping things low and, and not socializing, socializing as much as you would like. And I don't know, I think certainly all of us are probably are beyond the point where we kind of expected this to go. It's being being sequestered away is difficult and all of the um you know the the mental strain that it takes for not seeing people in person and we've we've gotten used to some uh changes but i don't know i think we expected more changes and better changes by now so i'm glad that uh, i'm glad that she's in your town at least and you know that gives you opportunities to maybe see her more often yes yes it'll be good and I guess the other thing coming up is, uh, by the time this releases, we won't know, uh, we won't know until it happens, but, uh, the extent of the ice apocalypse, cause, uh, we haven't had one of those oh, yeah. in a couple of years and it's, it's almost time for winter to reign her fury over, uh, the Portland Metro area. And I'm super uh, excited. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited too. And I'm not excited at all because I, <laughs> for all of my, uh, you know, for all of my love of the outdoors, the one thing I don't love is cold and, and all of the like associated hazards. I, some people love nothing more than when everything gets slippery and they can slide around on it. And I'm just, uh, I'm worried, uh, but, but I, I won't, but I won't bring you down. Please. You tell me what you like about it. <laughs> I'm excited to try the tripod bike method in Milwaukee. It's going to go great. Tripod bike. Is that, is that where you have one leg off the pedal and you're just kind of keeping yourself from going all the way down to the ground? Yeah, pretty much. We live on like a <laughs> relatively hilly hill here. Uh, hilly for Portland standards, I'd say. But yeah. Um, yeah, excited to maybe get some or I guess see folks take advantage of roadways in different uh, uses than they usually see. Uh, hopefully in a COVID safe fashion. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I like snow. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Uh, I've always that's liked good. snow. <laughs> it's romantic. It's it's the best. It, the thing is, we don't get we don't get romantic snow in the Portland area at all. Uh, like it's either you know like the lightest dusting that's just like basically glorified frost, or you have like what we're expecting, where it's just like everything is covered in like inches of ice and nothing is sound. Yeah, that's the bummer. They they were at first they were saying you know three to ten inches of snow, and then the last uh, forecast I just t- checked earlier today, it was like icy conditions and i'm like oh, i don't want the icy conditions you're still getting those three to ten inches they're just going to be compressed uh, so so much so that you can see right through them and i i guess the only thing i, I don't know i had a bad experience back in 2004 driving uh which just goes to show you should never drive anything anywhere for any reason uh you know forget your car 
but I was driving across uh, the Glenn Jackson, the 205 highway bridge that goes from Washington state to Oregon state. And uh, I made, you know, a rookie mistake as someone who didn't have a lot of, you know, experience driving in, in traction conditions. And uh, I was driving a 73, 73, 74. doesn't matter for the story. I think it was a 72, uh, really heavy Dodge dart slant six and uh, rear wheel drive. And I was like, you know, I've heard that if you shift down, you get better traction, right? Like the engine helps you out, but that doesn't help you at highway speeds. And I did that just as freezing rain was beginning. So the whole car spun around 180 degrees. I found out that uh, you do, in fact, uh, you stop, you don't go over the edge when you hit that, that railing on the side which was great. But then I was just paralyzed with fear. Oh, I thought you were going to say you you do in fact find out that you relieve yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could have, it was, it was a scary experience, but uh, I think that's left the memory for me. Like, so now anytime I hear about, you know, potentially icy weather, I'm just like, Oh, F no, please. No, 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 don't, don't go. Just, just stay away. So, but again, that's not, that's my experience. And I think I have to reckon with it for what it is. Snow is beautiful. And so is ice for that matter. So anyways, ice, it, it may come. It may not. We shall see. Armando, you didn't say what, what do you like about snow and ice? Just cause we don't get, get it here in Portland. <laughs> you like the variety. Yeah, I miss it. Oh yeah. yeah. I, mi- I miss it. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, so I grew up with snow and ice. Uh, I miss it here. I miss that big change of weather. Uh, but even in the Midwest, I, I've realized as I've gotten older and when I've gone back, it never seems like it is as much snow as we had when I was younger. I always remember being much snowier, like gigantic 10, 15 foot mounds of plowed snow on the corners, things like that. And I don't see that happening anymore. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's kind of demonstrable trends that show that uh, climate change is in fact real uh, and you know, it seems like there are people that agree with us at this point, which, uh, which is good to hear, but yeah, I was thinking about your Midwest experience and you, you kind of know what's up and you also know why, uh, why it's so weird in the Northwest, right? Because like, we, oh, don't, yeah. get, we don't get the nice kind really at all. So nope. yeah, well, you know, there's one thing that I love more than just about anything else when it comes to a, a, a really cold winter and that is a good porter or a stout. And I'm going to snack this open right now. And I've got the uh, the Oakshire espresso stout because if you can have beer and coffee together, why would you not? Um, but this is an example of the sort of thing that you can pick up if you go to the beer mongers at Southeast Division and 12th, and they'll be open whether there's ice on the ground or not. And matter of fact, they will even have a seat for you. And right now that seat will be outdoors. Hey, I don't Brock, know if that's a, is, is that a plug or not? <laughs> uh, I'm curious where you got the Oakshire from. Uh, I actually got the Oakshire from, uh, it's the best mini Mart, I think, or the best beer store, uh, that I'm aware of in the Salem area. And that's, uh, the newly christened American market, which is right on state and 14th. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So like super random, but I was actually trying to get Oakshire at the beer mongers last week. And, uh, they said it's one of the only ones that they are not able to carry right now. Is that right? That's so interesting. Uh, apparently for Portland, you can only get the tall boys at the brewery uh okay was what i had heard so fascinating because i i I, oakshire is like really tasty to me and i was trying to track down some to um acquire and it was uh one more step than i thought (laughs) yeah well in that particularly that it's one of my favorite oregon breweries and it it does have a tap room in portland now so i guess probably they're trying to what drive business like if people like it that much and don't get me wrong this is one of the best espresso stouts i've ever had but uh yeah it's 
hard to find. So not for not trying, right? Uh, Sean has worked very hard to get an amazing collection of beers. And a matter of fact, he has. So, uh, oh, yeah, no, totally. Well, in our fact, recommendation right. stands. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no, no. It's all good. I was just more like when I got it at yeah. uh, Oakshire, I was like, hey, you should like carry the beer mongers, too, because that would just be easier for so many people. <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, I mean, I am what? Uh, it, they're only 70 miles away. That's a good day's bike ride. I could go down there and tell them what they should do. OK, yeah. we'll we'll make a trip out of it post. COVID. Yeah. After the ice. And now that I have a cargo bike, I could, I could ride there and back. I could bring all kinds of, I, I should bring as many growlers as will fit in the bucket of a Tom's cargo bike bicycle. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, we didn't come here to talk exclusively about beer and ice, uh, which I would say if you're going to have beer and ice, you should put the ice around the vessel in which the beer sits as opposed to inside of the beer, but everybody has their own preference. Uh, but I do, <laughs> I do want to ask you Guthrie, uh, what have you been up to this summer? Uh, because we, we've talked a little bit about the fact that you were out for a bit, but, uh, we haven't talked about in detail what your trips were like. So can you give us like a high level overview? What did you do by bike this COVID season? Yeah. Um, this COVID season by bike, I have done a lot of bike tags around Portland. Um, a lot of just general riding in places where I don't think other cyclists are likely to be and in off hours sort of fashion. And bike tag, um, just for anybody who might not be up, can you explain that? Oh, yeah. Uh, bike tag is kind of like geocaching or where's Carmen San Diego, except it's played with um, pictures that you post in uh, cities such as Austin or Portland or Seattle. Um, and there's others springing up in cities near you. Uh, but basically, you see a tag of a knowable, findable permanent landmark within city boundaries and you um if you know where it is you go and you take a photo with your bike and then you're it and you get to post a photo of your bikes at another landmark and it's whoever basically uh submits both the photo of the location and the new destination so you get to play quote-unquote tag around your city uh, and it's a great COVID activity because you're there literally hours or days after the last person has been there so it works out pretty nicely in that regard which is a big part of why I have enjoyed it where in the world is this bike destination yep yeah it's a fun one and it, it rewards like I don't know it, I really get my kicks out of it because I really like yeah. those small and inane little pieces of the city that is there are easy to overlook if you're not paying attention um and it's the perfect game to play by bike because the bike's the perfect speed to observe those types of things and to interact with them so yeah definitely definitely recommend um otherwise uh alluding to my absence on the show a little bit earlier this past year um i took an opportunity to evaluate the risk level of traveling east via bicycle to see my folks um really wanted to do it via bicycle if possible uh, my plan was to spend uh just sort of work remotely um out in eastern oregon for it was about two months two and a half months i was there roughly uh with about 10 days of travel on either side uh no it was well it was like 12 days on the way over and a little faster on or slower on the way back. Uh, but yeah, I, I rode my bike. And uh, I rode my bike from Portland, Oregon to 
roughly Enterprise, Oregon, over the course of almost a week. Um, and how I did that in a COVID world was by carrying two filtration methods. Uh, I filtered all of the water that I drank along the ride out of rivers and uh, like cow ponds and other things that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, so no tap access at all. What's that? Like no, no taps at all. Just uh, yeah. I mean, if there sources. was a, I think there was maybe like one place where you know there's a tap on the outside of a building. It's like yeah, I'm not going to say no to that. Uh, but chances were, <laughs> I had to drink. I had to drink a lot of water. It was really hot this summer, so I was going through like eight to ten liters a day. Um, and there's not enough like taps on the outside of buildings to supply that. <laughs> so um, yeah, all of that fun. Um, and. I also carried all of my own food with me. So I carried 14 days worth of food. Um, and I carried like really calorie dense. This is like the first, this is the most I've ever meal planned in my life was figuring out like really lightweight calorie dense foods. Cause I wanted to fit all of that in one of my Ortlieb panniers with me and to have enough calories so that I wasn't like bonking my way across Oregon or being a liability for others. Um, and yeah, so I set out from Portland and over the course of 12 or 13 days, uh, just plotted my way eastbound uh, each day by a bicycle. And you had, I, I'm sure, some idea because, I mean, you grew up in that area and so you you kind of knew how far away it was. But were you kind of going day by day or did you have a plan ahead of time as far as kind of where you wanted to land? Oh, gosh, no. Uh, I never plan my trips out like that. <laughs> my plan is to be like solid with wherever I end up. Uh, that means being very like self-sufficient because then it, it like it doesn't matter where you stop. Like there's good there's good places and not good places um, in terms of like being able to be tucked out of sight and that sort of deal. So sometimes you ride a bit more for minimized exposure. But um yeah, I don't plan that stuff out at all. Uh, my my biggest plan was to go slow at the start because it's a classic Guthrie move to like bite off more than I can chew in the first three days and then suffer for three weeks. Um, and I did a good job of that on this trip. Um, actually, I I made it across completely injury free. Um, and on my way back, I pushed it a little hard because I got excited. And uh, what do you know? I had a little bit of uh, Achilles tendonitis to, to recover from, uh, but that's all recovered now. So um, yeah, I, I like to ride like 25 to 40 miles for the first few days and then sort of up the mileage for there from there, like do what I'm feeling. This is actually the first time, the first trip I've done that's um, more than two days since 2011 when I did my very first bike tour that I took a long solo. time. Yeah, so solo travel is very different than uh, group travel, and that was kind of fun to reacquaint with. Yeah, and uh, Armando, how much do you know about uh, Guthrie's previous experience? Have you heard some of his other stories? No, I haven't. I haven't at all. So maybe we should just do a quick catch-up for it. Can you tell us a little bit more, Guthrie, about what, what kind of touring you usually do and, and where you Yeah, I, I typically do what would be considered like classic classical bike touring. Uh, you've got a bike, and you've got four panniers or two panniers, and you know, like a handlebar bag. Um, and so in 2011, I rode my bike up to Bellingham, Washington from Portland and then took a ferry up to Alaska. Uh, a couple of years after that, I completed the other segment between Canada and Mexico by riding down to San Diego from Portland in 2013. Um, 
And then I've taken my surly uh, to India and cycled for a month with my sibling there as well. Um, yeah, and then this was kind of more of like a backyard uh, bike tour where um, I figured as long as I was camping places, folks didn't mind. Uh, had all my own food, had own, all my own water, and religiously wore a mask and washed my hands or sanitized and stuff like that, that it would probably be... Uh, you know, there were less people I saw in that 12 days than if I had gone to the grocery store once in Portland. Um, so from a surface exposure standpoint, um, I felt like it would be doable. <laughs> yeah. And, and you only went maybe, to the grocery store like, once. What's that? You only went to the grocery store once before this trip. So yeah, you were, all, you were all set. I was going to yep. say, it's funny that uh, you went to Bellingham from Portland in 2011 because I rode in two separate trips, uh, one south from Bellingham and one north from Portland, but I think probably around that same that same trip uh, twice. So nice. it's very possible you and I crossed paths at some point before I knew you. But, do, you re- do you recall what month it was during? Uh, July, I want to say, because I, I think... Oh, yeah. I would have been a little earlier than you. Okay. Well, good for you. It, was, it wasn't as warm then. It probably would have been more comfortable. Yeah, you know, we got rained on. It's a thing. Uh, <laughs> it's the Pacific Northwest. That's why it wasn't as warm, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so Guthrie on this yeah. on this summer trip that you just had, do you did you not see a lot of people because of that's there's just not a lot of people where you were, or do you think it had to do with people not being out because of uh COVID? Oh though there was definitely folks out. Um I I you know, some of the places I camped, I sort of stealth camped uh a little over half the time. Um and then I camped in like campgrounds that were for the most part abandoned or there was like a couple of spaces between myself and the next occupant um, for some of the time as well. There is definitely folks out. Uh, you see like the weekend flow like you would expect to. The weather's a lot nicer in that area. It's It was hot. It was so I rode the first day over Mount Hood um, and I saw like a lot of Portland traffic until I got to roughly Prineville, sort of like Madras area. Uh, And then it turned more into what I'd say is like rural community and more of like your folks who are out there living there sort of deal unless, you know, there's one or two folks driving through. Um, But no, folks were definitely out and about. RVs were huge. So there's a bunch of people doing the RV stuff. I think people were out in general is way, way less than, uh, than an average year. But um Still enough to be noticeable, I would say. It's funny to think about people who are out RV camping and that sort of thing, because I think there are different people RV camping um, to a certain extent than there usually would be. I think more people, maybe like retirees, for example, might be staying in more, uh, depending on how concerned they are about virus exposure, that sort of thing. But then other people are like, well, we got nothing else to do. Why wouldn't we go out here? So I'd be curious to know if like kind of your, your average amount of vehicle travelers just for fun and pleasure has gone up or gone down, but you, you saw some folks. I feel like it's probably gone up. I think those get out of city things just in general were more popular during COVID. Yeah. Um, I don't have any numbers to support this. I've never actually, you know, like I've been in these parts much earlier in life. Like I'm, I wouldn't be a good judge of that. Uh, this was the first time I had cycled through that area. Uh, I rode from Portland to Madras, um, and then to Prineville, Prineville to John Day, essentially, and then John Day up 
to Legrand, roughly, and Legrand to Enterprise. Um, I think I've got a route online that I can send, and we'll post yeah. it in the show notes. Yeah, we should share that um, with folks. And it's, that's it's, a lot of it's the American uh, Adventure Cycling Association, right? Or uh, yeah, kind of the the classic transcontinental route. Yeah, I saw um, there was one group of guys that I camped by. They were all like retired. Uh, one was a retired minister. One was a retired physician. Uh, one had just sold their like orthodontia practice, I believe. Um, a doctor, a priest, and an orthodontist go camp. <laughs> and then there like were like the two other two other like retired retired professional, you know, post professional type folk um, at the reservoir just out of Prineville. Um, and they were going on the trail. Uh, so we kind of did the like head nod at each other. Um, and the like talk at 10 feet sort of deal with masks on. Um, there were three people cycling to the West coast, but I didn't talk with any of them cause we just kind of rode by each other. It was where it was one of those ones where it's like, I'm climbing real hard. You're descending really hard. And uh, I'm just going to wave at you and ding my bell. And yeah, nobody uh, wants to interrupt either that? one of those things, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Unless you're interrupted too. by someone that's offering you like water or bacon. Yeah, that's true. Food is nice. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, just speaking of food, you had mentioned that you went shopping. You, uh, I feel like this is the thing that I was counseling a friend of mine years back about you know, what's the best way to, to eat on a bike tour, right? Like what kind of food should I get? And at that time, it was a time when there was no, no possible worry about going into a grocery store and picking up additional supplies. And so when my friend told me that he had put like, you know, a week's worth of food into his bags, I was like, that's ridiculous. Why would you do such a thing? It's so heavy, but, uh, you've got a more compelling reason this time around. So do you know how much you were carrying? Did you weigh it? Um, I tried to put my bike on my scale when I left, but it was so heavy that, um, I, I didn't. I just kind of stopped bothering. My okay. surly weighs like forty pounds just right off the bat. Right, and I was carrying, um, you know, a tent and a laptop and a bike raft and uh, a tripod and you know, I just I just load right on up. I'm not I'm not in any hurry to get anywhere. I'm gonna bring what I like to play with when I'm out there alone. And uh, I'm just going to go slow. So it doesn't really, I, 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 I attempted to, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave. It doesn't really matter. It's what I'm carrying. There you go. And you want to see like uh, how much your bike can do, right? Not, not necessarily in like a numerically quantifiable way so much as just like, well, it's heavy as shit. Will it move? And so it sounds like you did. Yeah. Surleys feel good when they're loaded down. They really come into their own. That is true. Uh, you know, the, I definitely had some speed wobble issues on the front fork, as I always do. Uh, steel does flex quite a bit when you weigh it down as much as I do, but I'm pretty good at like checking over my rig um, at least once a day before I so- sort of start for the morning. I'm I'm a big fan of the like preventative maintenance on tours. I suck at it in you know Portland life, but when I'm on tour, I try to like really <laughs> tune into what my bike is doing. Do your ABCs. Uh-huh. And you're like nut tightening check and all that. Um, yeah, listening for sounds. Oh, is that a new sound? Oh, if I heard that before, okay, where is it coming from? Uh, have I, you know, was it there last week? Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? You know, just really, you're out 
well, in my case, I'm out there for like 10 to 14 hours a day. So I've got plenty of time to like, just listen to my bike make sounds. Um, yeah, that's, that's a telling yeah. factor too. Yeah. Speaking of sounds, was, uh, Armando, I feel like you should be unmuting when you laugh because a podcast without Armando laughs is, is no podcast at all. Well, no, you know, I've got the road and so I'm, I'm, I'm muting the zoom oh, to that's let right. you guys know. That's right. It doesn't matter if you're muted or not. And so then I'm also muting the road. So I'm going back and forth. So <laughs> okay. it, it might be the listeners may be able to hear me laugh, but I you... gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I, I can live with that. <laughs> Yeah, so when just, you edit, you'll hear me laughing. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I didn't want the listener to be robbed. <laughs> all right. Thanks for helping me understand. Uh, all these new things. Uh, so, Armando, do you have any questions about what we've discussed so far? Oh, the reason I was talking about before asking about seeing a lot of people, because if people aren't in or know about the Pacific Northwest and or Oregon, campsites in the summer just boom they they fill up you have to reserve them they get filled up you can't find a spot um there are hiker bikers spots that you can walk in or bike in maybe sometimes so i just i just wondered about that you know mm. especially yeah. when you said you, you're not a big planner <laughs> you just ride <laughs> yeah because like i just never know how i'm gonna feel or like where i'm gonna end up uh i like riding rural because then it doesn't you know you're not i'm not gonna like sleep in some rancher's pasture but i'll sleep in the national forest service or the national forest land that's like adjacent to their property sort of deal um right the national forest is every farmer's pasture yeah <laughs> or you know that would be blm uh but yeah, yeah that's, the, that's true yeah grazing fees and all uh I'm, or maybe it's a bit of both i i have to admit i'm not as up <laughs> yeah. to speed on that as i once was um but it's a place you can camp and not worry about it you're yeah, allowed to. exactly yep yep precisely um yeah so there's there was not super big competition but i was also not using the methods that would traditionally have competition like i was either hiker biker or i was like on the side of some gravel road up at the top of a pass uh on like a national forest road sort of deal <laughs> i was um, fighting with you for that <laughs> no you know it's like i thought about sleeping under there's this one bridge out near ukiah but i was like I, I went under there and it was just super nasty so i was like eh, no i'm not gonna bother with this uh you know th those kinds of things um but national forest land if i can find it is heavily my preference um i stayed in a couple of blm campgrounds and yeah um from a cycling perspective it was medium full uh low to medium so maybe less than particular, but like I said, I I've never really camped around those areas, so I don't know if the Central Oregon ones fill up as fast in the summer. Um, I was cycling in a hundred and like two to a hundred and seven degree weather for a, quite a few of those days. Yeah, um, and I got like mild heat exhaustion, so like that kind of stuff. If you're choosing a place to go camp, a lot of folks are like, let's go to the coast. Uh, yeah. And it, it packs up a lot quicker sort of deal. And I, I was going to ask, is this something like, do you have prior experience with heat exhaustion? Because I've bumped into it a couple of times. But if it's the sort of thing that, I don't know, like if it's the sort um, of thing you're used to and you have good recovery strategies, that's great. But but how did that make you feel? Uh, well, it made me feel like shit. Uh <laughs> there we go. Now we're talking. Yeah. No, heat exhaustion is no fun. Uh, I realized I needed to like, drink even 
more water. And another thing too, is when you're in environments like that, um, it's really important to eat when you drink. And so I wasn't doing as good a job of that initially. Uh, I was, I'm pretty in tune with myself. Like, obviously I don't know what I don't know. And there's stuff that's, that can sneak up and get you. Um, but I really lean on my like wilderness first responder training to try to be aware of environmental hazards. Um, and I miscalculated a little bit and it was, uh, not scary. I was with other people in a campground. Um, it was that sort of situation where it's 106 all day and you get to a place you think you can camp, but up, oh, just kidding. You can't. And now you've got to bike 30 more miles and 10 of those miles are up at a 9% grade. And it's like, Yikes. you know, you're looking at a map and you can't really see those topo lines. So you, you turn off the main road and you're like, it'll be fine. And then you're pumping at like 1130 at night. Uh, and you're like, they're better freaking be a creek up here i'm just gonna be so <laughs> i'm gonna be in trouble <laughs> there are... it, says, it says there's a creek but there better be uh and you know you roll in and there's like people around um there was maybe 10 sites three of them were occupied so at that point i wasn't i was into more of a management mode because i could get water and i could rapidly cool myself um but yeah that shit's pretty real so like I, I travel with a spot beacon for those kinds of reasons. Um, I need to, like, I'm not aiming to be a liability to anybody. That's kind of the point of self-sufficiency in cycle touring. Yeah. At the same time, um, I don't want to die. And if I miscalculate, I want to, I want a way to reach out and say, yep, I fucked up. And we don't want you to die either. And so that's, that, that's what the spot beacon is for, right? It's just like, it's, it's your, uh, get out of jail free card, I guess. It, it's being able uh, to alert someone to the fact that you, you did your best, but you're in a tight spot. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's jail free necessarily. Like there's a lot of stuff that you that involves, which I just yeah. never want to have to call into action. Uh, but it's a like, yeah, it's, a, it's a like, Hey, you know, no matter what happens, people will know that at least you were right. You were here at this time and place. <laughs> that's, that's what I consider it to be. Um, yeah. And, you know, I also send like check-ins to people on both sides of where I'm traveling and you can set different messages. One's like, yo, mechanical, uh, uh, you won't see me move for a couple days, but I'm fine, you know, sort of thing. And then the other is like, oh, I could use a bailout and like, maybe somebody has to drive and you both wear masks and you get a, you get a bailout basically. Um, and so if I the remember SOS correctly, button on that, I hope you, to never yeah. press. <laughs> you had mentioned you, you didn't probably use this. I think when you, when you had to call in your ride home, but you were kind of, uh, you said you, you were a little too ambitious at the end of your trip. Oh yeah. So, so I got, I got to call for help. To, yeah. I, uh, I got over to enterprise just fine. And I spent about two months there. Um, and it was like my favorite thing in the world. I was like, you know, I'm going to stay here until I see the snow coming down to the tops of the mountains. And then October, like first or second rolled around and I woke up and there was snow on the tops of the mountain caps. And I was like, it's time to go. So I was feeling really good on the way back. And uh, I was carrying in addition to what I'd carried over a mandolin on the way because I tried to take my ukulele over, but I couldn't fit it. And so I did find a way to fit a mandolin on the way back. And isn't a mandolin uh, bigger? 
Um, they're about the same. <laughs> okay, it depends on right. if, like hard case versus soft case. This was a soft case mandolin. Uh, I, I was trying yeah. to do a hard case ukulele. Yeah. Um, and you could you could fit food inside of there, right? Yeah, you could shove That's a little right. bit. You could it's put an like, oval hole. Yeah. So I'd imagine you could get a Luna bar or a kind bar in there or something. All kinds, all kinds of snack bars. <laughs> all kinds might make you... your tune a little weird, but um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure it can be managed. It could it could uh, add resonance, right? Yeah, <laughs> or probably not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's a it beautiful mandolin, the... by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my mother gave it to me for my birthday. So thank you, mother. Um, she uh, or I was gonna say on the way back. Uh, yeah, I had got from Joseph. I rode around the back. I've always been really enamored with the halfway route. You can go Joseph over to halfway to Baker City, and that's a route that was I, I've known about it growing up in Eastern Oregon, but I hadn't ever considered riding a bike on it until I saw Russ and Laura do that route on one of their Brompton tours, I believe it was. Um, so I've, I've always wanted to like connect with that place in that fashion, uh, and it was absolutely beautiful. I pitched my tent up at the top of the pass after like a freaking long day. It's really hilly. Um, and yeah, I just had like the moonlight and pitched in this like gravel quarry. And then the next morning I rode down and it was a long day into Baker City. Um, and I got to Baker City and kind of got topped up on water and had some dinner. Um, and then I was like, you know, I don't feel like paying $25 for the <laughs> RV site. Um, I have a tent. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a cheapskate. Uh, so and good on I you. was like, well, okay, I guess I'll keep riding. And uh, another classic like, oh, I'm going to ride up to, can't remember what it was. It was like, so it's like seven o'clock and I was going to ride 30 miles. And I was like, oh, I'll just be, you know it'll be fine classic guthrie it'll be fine so cut to seems like 11 30 um and i'm just like pushing it's total push bike just in the moonlight with these like coyotes howling across the the distance and then i finally get into like what i'm pretty sure is the lake boundary um and i just like collapse kind of in a ditch on the side of the road and that, that was pretty fun um but I had never ridden a hundred miles before, and I was like, you know, that was your first. I'm not really going to go for it, but there's a first time for everything, and I clocked in at like 103 or something oh, wow. like that. But it was it was a good like 3,000 feet of elevation gain at night. That that's pretty intense, and I mean that especially at night, and especially like it, certainly you were driven by frugality, but also you're you're wondering like where exactly will I find purchase. And by the principle, without too. making a purchase, it's, some, yeah. it's a little about the principle for those spots. I'm like, what? Twenty five dollars? Like, if I've got an RV, whatever, I'll pay. You're it. out but of I'm your damn mind. RV. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not. Yeah, no, it, it is funny, Jen. I mean, it depends on what you're getting for that twenty five, right? Because sometimes you're getting like a swimming pool at a KOA and Wi Fi uh, and like I don't know, like like a billiard table or something. Uh, and sometimes you're just getting a hole in the ground in which you can poop but that's like you know that's all you get and sometimes yeah. not even that right like if you're if you're hoping you might get like water access sometimes you're paying for camping you're not even getting water access and so it the point really does stand like why would i pay when i could just sleep in a, maybe arguably a, a more beautiful place yeah. yeah there's there's a lot of uh a lot of beautiful places out there you 
look any direction and it's a pretty beautiful place i find not really connected at all to uh to beautiful places but uh, you were talking earlier about kind of like managing nutrients and water levels and uh, your own health and are you a gatorade guy um i am not a gatorade guy on this trip i did <laughs> okay. carry some electrolyte pouches for like nutrient replenishment um and they're basically like the it's like powerade versus gatorade sort of deal yeah um, different brand yeah i was checking into this ultralight backpacking forum and they had a list uh I'm going to give them a shout out actually cuz this is like nice plug plug some plug. cool stuff. Let me let me find the He's while got you some do, YouTube videos. Armando, are you a Gatorade guy? No. <laughs> You're not. Okay. No, I yeah. I'm not a Gatorade guy, Powerade, all that all those, you know, electrolyte drinks. I I've never have been. And then so when I the first time I signed up and rode the um Swift Summit, Swift Summit 100. Right, right. I they, you know, they have samples and it's, I'm like, Oh, I better take those. Oh, I'll mix this up. Just I probably need this. Right. I, Cause I've never ridden a century before. Although I did ride 80 miles with you, uh, on a Petapalooza ride. That's right. To Ventersburg, right? Yes. And, uh, that, that was the longest ride I've ever done at that time. <laughs> um, but I did, I, I took it and, and I drank it and it was, it was horrible, horrible, horrible. Worst that, thing you've ever had. That, the feeling of your mouth, that gummy <laughs> sort of sticky residue. And okay. I swear when I finished, I finished the, the 100 Swift Summit. I parked my bike. I immediately walked three blocks down to the Rite Aid and bought a toothbrush and toothpaste. And I brushed my teeth <laughs> just to clear it out of your mouth. I, that makes sense. All right. I, I guess I'm the lone Gatorade guy here, but I also prefer the sugar-free type. So yeah. Uh, and that really doesn't, yeah. Anyways, Guthrie, who are you shouting out? Oh, yeah, no worries. Um, I'm shouting out Gear Skeptic on YouTube. Uh, Gear Skeptic compiles these very large, like, dehydrated meals and bar databases, as well as sort of supplement nutritional databases. And so you can sort by a lot, like, all of the different food factors of if you're looking for more nutrients in this category versus other categories. Uh, and they have a focus on light weightness. Um, so I would check out their video, Defining Ultralight Food for Bikepacking and Bug Out, um, which is basically a 51-minute, like, uh, basically like a white paper on nutrition in a ultralight backpacking context. That is awesome. That sounds great. Uh, does it also yeah. evaluate them by fear factor? And if so, by is Joe factor? Rogan involved? Oh, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> We're joking, folks. I don't want to misrepresent. There's gonna be a whole bunch of people that are like, where's Joe Rogan? But yeah, we don't want, we don't want, we don't want any Joe Rogan tweets. Uh, we, we don't mess with that. Yeah. Uh -uh. But no, yeah. Thank you, sir. I do appreciate the, uh, the overlap between the backpacking and the bike touring world. And uh, like you were saying earlier, it's kind of the, um, uh, would it be charitable or uncharitable of me to call it old man bike touring? Like the, the whole like traditional four pannier setup is, is kind of like, it's, it's a classic now. And most people think that bike packing and frame bags and everything are a lot sexier. Um, I just have never bought anything else. And so, um, maybe I'm old, but I do appreciate the overlap between, uh, the different disciplines having done a little bit of both, you know, some bike touring and some, uh, some backpacking, just figuring out 
how do you take care of food needs and what, like you're saying, you know, um, you weren't super worried about the weight, but just like, how, how does it compare and, and what's the best option? Did you have a favorite arrangement of any of these foods? Yeah. And I would say that like, it's not about the weight, like it is, but it's really isn't. Um, in my case, I made trade-offs here and there, but you, the, honest, the trick, the, if you get one thing out of food and doing outside pursuits is like, eat what you want to eat, eat what you like eating. Uh, cause if you go for the ultra low weight, the ultra X, Y, Z food of the week sort of deal, uh, but you don't like it, you're going to have a bad time outdoors. So I'll just put that out there up front. Um, in my case, I did a combination of Idahoan potatoes for breakfast, which is like 800 calories in a bag. I've never yeah. had them for breakfast, but those are so good. Yeah, it's just mashed potatoes. They have a lot of different flavors too, which is always nice if you need to eat them for 14 days straight. Um, <laughs> and that, they that all helps, come in... right? Because, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, you're... It does help. <laughs> I get really excited about mashed potatoes. Oh, me too. Yeah, I, I will admit um, I have one bag left over and it's in the house and I have not been able to bring myself to eat it yet. I'm like, maybe you will pop up on a future bike tour. You had enough uh, at that, at I that last go around. I did good mashed potato on. <laughs> uh, I carry hot sauce for everything. So I'll put, I'll put like a bunch of hot sauce in literally every meal. Um, Most important question of the interview is which hot sauce? uh, This was tiger sauce because I ran out of my... um, I have some by the Bravado Spice Company. They make one that is a ghost akamiso and it's really hot. Like, listener warning, if you get this sauce and you're not accustomed to hot, hot sauces, it's a hot, hot sauce. I'm just going to tell you. Description is not endorsement, folks. We're yeah, exactly. Be, be be aware. It's it, it's not your father's Tabasco. Just um, let me let me tell you satirically. Go out and try it, but really don't go out and try it. <laughs> no, do go out and try it. Try it's, it out. But this hot. is all for satirical purposes. We're not telling you to go out and do it. We're not responsible for whatever happens. Yeah, just like we wouldn't tell you to put uh, lights on your bike if it weren't legal to do so. Damn straight. Uh, we're not going to tell you what hot sauce to drink either. Hashtag winter hot sauce. Uh, <laughs> there is actually a hot sauce company called winter hot sauce is there oh okay oh yeah well there we go again mentioning it's not an endorsement uh we're not responsible for whatever you do with your hot sauce in your body uh armando do you um do you have a preferred hot sauce i don't think so okay. i'm not a big sriracha fan though i don't I'm you're not, not. okay po- negative points for sriracha because that would be my preferred like everything sauce just about it's very hard to think of anything i don't like sriracha with and that includes a shot of whiskey um but uh, Secret Aardvark is the other one that's more of a habanero base, and uh, that, that's a good sauce. That's also a Portland sauce. But yeah, Secret yeah. Aardvark's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and then sriracha and peanut butter. We talked about this. That's a good. I thing. don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's. I think I discovered it because there was this food cart in Portland that had. Uh, they called it like a like a Thai bacon burger maybe, and it was just uh, they had sriracha and peanut butter on the burger along with a couple other things, cool. and I realized. I don't have all these ingredients on hand all the time, but I do have peanut butter and I do have sriracha and you can just have those two together and it's great. So that's, that's how I spend most of my caloric limit every day. I've got to, I've got to get on that program. I feel like I've been slacking (laughs) and look at me. I'm fit as a fiddle, (laughs) 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 but you had the hot sauce in the mashed potatoes. And so did you have a a particular flavor of the Idaho and mashed potatoes? Because there's a few choices with that. 
Uh, I was a big, uh, it's like onions and cream was a good one. Um, there's like an original style that is nice for just like base for stuff. Uh, that's like the canvas that you paint on with other things. I don't know. I think I went to Winco and was like, you, 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 you. I just like took a couple from each of the trays and put them. I in love a bag you and all. Like, and well, you that's very bland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I ate a lot of kind bars. Kind bars are made mostly with nuts and the thing that they use to hold kind bars together uh is not super sugar full um so you get a bar that tastes pretty sweet and salty and yummy that has like half the sugars of most of the other energy bars i've seen out there uh and they're super light so i ate a lot of kind bars i mixed that up with a bit of nature valley um nature valley is not the highest like calorie per but I like the taste of it. So again, it's important to have something that you like yeah. to balance off of and that you'll want to eat. Especially um, the peanut butter Nature Valley bars. Mm-hmm. I've never tried those with sriracha. Those might be good. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd try anything with sriracha. Seriously. I would yeah. literally try anything with sriracha <laughs> or hot sauce. Just yeah. try me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like do know that the, uh, the bacon flavor, if, if you get one of the uh, Idaho mixes with the bacon flavor, uh, those are still vegetarian because they're like the bacon bits that you get from the salad bar that don't have any actual bacon product in them. So mm. they're they're both. I, I don't know if they're kosher, but they don't have bacon. Uh, but it's like you know, it, it's uh, vegetable oil and food coloring and smoke flavor. Nice. So um, yeah, so you can eat the uh, loaded mashed potato with the loaded baked or the uh, smoked applewood bacon because they don't have any meat at all. I don't think nice. they're vegan, but they don't have any meat. For um, for dinner, I did mac and cheese. And mac and cheese is like a uh, warning sign, heavy food. Um, but I also, like, I don't know. I've never been a real freeze-dried meal person. Uh, if I had been thinking ahead, I would have gone and placed on Fernway and just gotten a lot of, like, their dehydrated meals, which um, seem to have really been taking off as Ashley continues that venture. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they also just had their baby too. Um, oh, a firm I did not know that. But maybe, maybe it is a firm way baby. I don't know. Uh, but oh, okay. They, yeah, <laughs> in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. She's been carrying yeah, a child it's... for nine months, and the child is finally out. So congratulations to them. But Fernway, yeah. yeah, former show guest, great, great product because it's all the stuff that you love about backpacking food, but it's it's even better quality than Idahoan, and that's I mean that's not hard, right? But uh, it's, yes, yeah. it's a local option to Portland. Uh, it's nice, good, natural, real ingredients, and yeah, that'd be cool. But you did uh, mac and cheese because that's that's a thing you can do. Yeah, and you know I did mac and cheese because, like I said, I'm not I'm counting weight for food a little bit, but I'm really not counting weight for bike. Like I just carry yeah. six kitchen sinks if I have it my way. Um, so I just really couldn't justify like an eight or nine dollar freeze dried meal for like one x per day when I could get mac and cheese that was Annie's for like two bucks. Um, I was going to say, if you get like the, the generic, like kind of non-organic, what have you, Annie's is really better quality and that's a really, Oh yeah. Annie's is, Annie's is what makes the difference. Like I, I tossed in a couple of craft because I like my variety. Um, yeah. And you like your craft dinner. Yeah. It was, you know, it's Annie's is, uh, it's nice to feel like you're eating something that is of substance. It's not Uh, just a dismal in quality. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, nobody wants to, like, not be able to trust a fart as you're going through the center of Oregon. Yeah. Uh, so you get, you get the Annie's and uh, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Of course. Um, 
Of course. So yeah. the, trustworthy. Trustworthy only. Yeah. And if you fortify it a little bit with... Uh, I got like dollar tuna packs um, yeah. with some sunflower oil in them. Uh, if you hunt around, you can get good deals on them. Usually they're like $3 a pack, but I was able to find a place that had them for $1 a pack uh, on like closeout. So yeah, I added in some tuna fish and yeah. uh, sunflower That's... oil, which really helps a mac and cheese. Because I don't bring like, I don't put butter in. I don't bring milk when I'm touring. It's water plus mac and cheese. Yeah, and milk milk will also turn on you and become untrustworthy. So you got you got that problem to deal with. But this is true. Yeah, yeah you could always go the powdered milk route, but that's just a lot of true. work for me. Well, and that's just like you you've got already got powdered cheese right in your in your mac and cheese. So so why not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was that? Did you say it was tuna in sunflower oil, or did you bring sunflower as well? Tuna in sunflower oil. In sunflower. Okay. All right. So that sounds like a kind of a step up from your your average as well, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know water or some other like vegetable oil or what have you. It's those little things that make all the difference. Uh, something about just a little bit of oil in my system. It's like, hmm, yum. <laughs> you need you know, a little bit of calories. <laughs> yeah, and, yep, and calories. That's the thing. I think uh, Tim Mooney from Pedal Shift has talked a lot about how oil is just a great way. Like it's the most dense caloric food you can get. If you want to keep your calories oh, yeah. up, you want to have enough energy, just eat everything with oil. You'll be fine. Yeah, you wouldn't want to like drink a cup of olive oil but if you eat a third of a cup of olive oil in foods that's like pre-saturated then you're looking okay for sure my, my son just discovered butter and i don't know armando you've had kids i don't know if you had a phase where they just like you know thought butter was the greatest thing and just wanted it like all the time that's dangerous yeah but we usually when you grow up that. <laughs> how did you combat that i don't know they just they, they weren't like that i'm i probably the oh, more okay. butter person than they are Ah, mm. okay. You just yeah. give him candy and solve that butter problem right up. Uh, my daughter, I, I would say my daughter's ice cream. There mm. we go. Yeah. Well, that's made of the same stuff butter's made of, right? It's made of the same stuff. <laughs> and then my son, uh, he likes candy. He's a big candy okay. person. Yeah. More like, because uh, it depends on the kind of candy you get, right? You can get uh, like fat based candy. Uh, like, isn't Taffy has some fat in it, doesn't it? Or butter? Depending on the kind of taffy you get, <laughs> it's taffy. I don't know how they make it. I know they stretch it out. No, there's, but... only, there's only one kind of taffy, right? The saltwater taffy, right? Laffy taffy? Yeah, absolutely. The <laughs> banana flavor. That's the only kind of taffy that matters. <laughs> Guthrie, you, you sounds like you weren't a candy person. You were already kind of mining sugar levels. Oh no, I've I've never been a candy person. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> holds holds up chocolate to camera. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, that's so, the I great mean, thing about bike touring yeah. you eat what you want that's exactly <laughs> it exactly it yeah um i mean with everything you brought you, you didn't do any resupplies it sounds like so did you did you kind of calculate appropriately did you have everything you needed as far as calories were concerned did you ever feel like you didn't have enough to eat um i think there were times during the day where i had to adjust to my calorie burn versus my intake uh, I did bring one like meat log with me, which was my supplementary. Uh, so if I was feeling deficient, I just kind of like chomp on this, the biggest pepperoni stick I could get by basically. Um, and then I burnt through it in like three days. And <laughs> so there you go. And then it's all gone. No more meat log. <laughs> yeah. No more meat log. Um, so I got, I took two meat logs on the way back. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Well, I was going to ask how trustworthy was the meat log? Oh, 
uh, gosh, they say to refrigerate, but I've always gotten away with it somehow. I have a pretty when it's it comes to like eating things, beef, yeah. yeah, they're pretty well preserved. I keep it in my uh, I keep it wrapped in my puffy jacket, so it, it's a little bit insulated. Um, it doesn't matter too much by the end of the day, but yeah. There you uh, go. Yeah. Well, that gets. I, I think. Yeah, I did uh, a decent job. Yeah. Uh, not a. I think. Uh, I think if I did it again, I would like tell myself to eat even more. I think I was breaking even and you don't really want to break even either um but <laughs> right. yeah it, it worked out i had like a day and a half left of food that that's pretty good yeah um well i, I feel like it's, we've uh, talked a lot about food on this it, it's I, i'm happy to keep talking about food uh oh the one thing <laughs> i'll say that made yeah. it like super easy is um like some people like to go the bulk route and i totally get that and i think it is a, a route I've gone before and I considered for this trip, but I thought I would try something different. Um, I just had like little baggies that I kept my food for each day in, and it already had the cardboard taken off the mac and cheese. Every single item was stripped down as much as I could get it um, and then put in one bag. And so it made it really easy. I didn't have to think about food because I'd already thought about food. My job was to open up a new bag each day and to eat everything in it. Um, and that was just a really nice way to go. I kind of enjoyed that. I might try that a little bit more in the future. Yeah, that's a well-organized way to do it. And it's the sort of thing, that, again, like you say, you don't you don't have to think about it again because you already did the thinking. You did some pre-thinking. And yeah, pre-thinking I don't is, think about where I go. I just yeah. think about what I eat when I go there. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, an eating tour, not a writing tour. So I guess I, I'm just wondering, because we're probably also getting close to the end of uh, the time when most people are paying attention. So we should probably uh, wrap it up here. But I, I'm curious, what maybe were some highlights and lowlights? We talked about some, obviously, heat exhaustion, high temperatures. Uh, uh, were, were there any other unpleasant sensations? Oh, um, I almost died. Um, that's, that's kind of unpleasant. Yeah, I was coming out towards Mitchell and... There was this really awesome rock formation, uh, and I had been like going up, and I was working for the descent, and then I finally got the descent, and I was descending like down into these canyons, and um, I totally used up one of my nine lives on a shoulder because I was looking out at this rock formation, kind of a close to the road, and I wasn't looking at the road. And when you're doing forty in the in the S turns, um, turns out it's good to look at the road. So before I knew it. I was like in the deep gravel and I yeah. like kind of recentered and thankfully the bike didn't go out from under me. Um, and I just was able to steer it just to catch like the edge of where it meets down road and you're like back on the main road again. And um, I like stopped just after that turn or like when I could get to a good spot to stop and I just needed to like Oh, let my heart like figure out if it still wanted to be like a heart uh, (laughs) again and just take like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, And I went the same way going back and I looked in for like 10 switchback like turns uh, each way. There was there were no pullouts and it just so happened the one spot I steered off that was over the ledge was in the one pullout that was on that whole stretch. The only place Uh, where you could safely stare at a rock. I wonder the if they put it there hour. because of that uh, rock. Yeah. Probably so. It, I mean, it's it a beautiful a, rock formation, right? It was a l- right? real looker of a rock. Um, <laughs> like, I would go climb that if I had easier access to that area. But, um, but yeah. 
Yeah, it was scary as shit. That was the closest wow. I've come to eating it or not right. coming back in a while. For sure. Uh, I mean, that's the sort of thing where it like, because yeah, there's clips, right? And, and that's sort of like, it's, you're not just worried about your head, even though your head is important. Like it's your whole body. Could be oh, I would have gone down a cliff and just gotten yeah. like tumbled. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't, they wouldn't have found me for <sighs> a while. <laughs> you're like that shoe in, in wild. Yeah. I would be yeah. like that shoe in wild. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad that that didn't happen. Um, yeah. I do have one life hack for you. Do it. I love life hacks. Yeah. Aaron's like going to cover his ears <laughs> during this part. Um, my life hack when I was near Madras um, or Warm Springs, I got into a batch of goat heads and I got like 41 goat heads in my front tire and 61 goat heads in my rear tire. I remember this voicemail. Oh, that yeah. Sounded like yeah, it was I left terrible. some voicemails. Uh, yeah. So it turns out um, it's good to like cut your patches into quarters or sixths early you can get i got away with like almost an eighth of a patch um and i still missed a hole i got back to portland after the whole ordeal and uh turns out there was still one small leak in it um that's incredible your tube yeah, was so mostly, I had like mostly nine, comprised of patches I like nine that patches that i yeah. that were that i made out of two patches <laughs> yeah yeah I, i've been there before i think i've only had to do that a couple of times and it's usually like you get to resupply, but, but yeah, it's it, seriously, you don't need the whole patch. That's probably the biggest thing. <laughs> the biggest mm-hmm. takeaway is that you can divide them. I think most patches are designed in such a way that you, um, what it, like it's supposed to seal up nicely. And if there is any problem with the, you know, the adherent, uh, around the point of the leak, then like whatever else is there would kind of cushion against that. And the pressure, like the air pressure, hopefully would kind of hold everything together and, and all that. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, you, you don't have to have a perfectly lovely, beveled patch especially yeah. if it's one of the long ones right you can cut those long ones in half real easily oh yeah and yeah. another pro tip is i don't know how it's usually done but get a second tube of glue always carry two tubes of glue in your patch kit uh turns out i didn't obey that rule but i had like a tenth of the tube left that was kind of like semi sticky and that was good enough but um gosh you just don't really want to be stuck like that places that yeah, yeah. take a long time to get to and this is a uh, glue or vulcanization fluid or or what have you. Is vulcanization yep. is that like a fancy word for glue? Um, I think vulcanization is what the glue performs right. chemical wise with the yeah. rubber. So vulcanization right. is the process of rubber bonding. But yeah. I don't. I'm not sure if it's the glue. Yeah. Well, it is patch, the glue. Patch vulcanizing prosper. Yeah. Um. So I guess uh, it's the standard like the green box that like the German uh, patches. Is that what you use? Yep, Rima Tip Top. Okay, yeah, because there's, um, there's a couple different brands out there, but that's kind of the most popular one, I think, or the, at least the most widely available. Yeah, I got to admit, I'm not a huge fan of Park Tools. They do seem to be more commonly carried. Um, I think if you're good at patching and you know what you're doing, both are going to work just fine. Uh, but the set oneself up for a success route would be Rima Tip Top, in my experience. Are, you're not a big fan of their of Park Tools patches or of Park Tool in general? Uh, Park Tools patches. Okay. I, I think right. Park Tools is like most companies. They make a few things really well, but <laughs> yeah. they don't make everything great. Like their bottle and, openers. Uh, oh, gotcha. Their bottle openers, are, they work pretty well. And they're durable. Yeah. So you can use them. I really like their um, their L wrenches and their Y wrenches. I think they make really good ones of those. Um, yeah, no, I'm not hating on Park Tools. Uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. I use them for some things, but not as many right. as I used to. Well, in, in a former professional life, you you wrench on bikes, and so you you probably I, I'm guessing that's what you had there, but it's hard to say. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's, gosh, we could do a whole episode on tools, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it at, at uh, I'm glad to be able For to sure. acquire the tools that I choose to buy. I, we should probably schedule a show. I, I'm thinking any, well, here, that, listeners, write to us, the sprocketpodcast at gmail.com, or hit us up at uh, sprocketpodcast on Twitter or the Instagrams, because we'd love to hear who wants to come on and do like, I think we should just have like a, a forum, you know, you get like as many people as want to talk tools as possible and like give everybody a shot. Ooh, yeah. I That's love easy for me to tools. say, cause I won't have to moderate. I probably won't be on the episode, but, <laughs> but I, I oh, bet I there's can... like, yeah, there are whole, uh, there's a, um, what there's a bike mechanic podcast out there. I think like the bike shop podcast, I want to say is what it's called. Uh, and I, I bet, I bet they've had that kind of episode, but we've never really had like a tool rundown. As far as I know, we had the parts hoarder, but that's more parts, not tools. So, oh yeah. 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 No tools are, uh, important and same adage is true with bike tools as most others, which is, uh, like quality doesn't come cheap. Uh, but you can get away with a lot if you are nice to your tools. Totally. Yeah. Um, I guess what was the least conventional implement you brought with you? The least conventional implement uh, from like a tool perspective? Sure. Uh, uh, I don't know. I <laughs> My kit's pretty dialed. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think uh, least conventional, I mean, I brought a, I, I brought a bike raft. Um, that would be like a general yeah. item. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, Probably the mandolin. Oh, that, yeah. yes, also that. You know, you got to be able to do all the activities. <laughs> yeah. Did you end up using the pack raft on this trip? Yeah, I did. I used it on the Snake and the Deschutes and the Metolius River. That's beautiful. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. It, this is the sort of thing that it, it inspires me because I would love to do something like that. And I think for me to do it, not everyone needs this, but for me, I need to know that somebody else has done it successfully and that they weren't like <laughs> in a magazine or something. So what, were oh. you in a magazine? I was I was not in a magazine. Okay, all right. So I can do uh, it. Then. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, what I would say is go with a very experienced boater. Find a boat buddy, and um, preferably look into uh, safety type, rescue type stuff. Um, I did have an experience this summer where something went from okay to very bad very quickly, and uh, uh, it was able to be rectified. Uh, however. Uh, it made me really want to continue my path towards knowledge and learning about swift water rescue and um, how drowning is a little bit different from a CPR perspective than just somebody having a heart attack or um, arrhythmia. So it's a huge, like the the water is great, but also super dangerous. Uh, So if you're doing flat water stuff, um, I feel like that's all fine and dandy. But if you're doing any water stuff in general do find it find a buddy and learn about the safety factors and really lean in yeah. on having a good safe time out there on the water is mm-hmm. what i would say know about hydraulics and and all that stuff yeah. yeah and if any of our listeners are interested in like that aspect as a show topic in terms of pack rafting uh write boat us month. and let us know because there's yeah. some cool crossover with that boat, in the boat bike month world. is coming up again soon i think oh yeah totally very good. Uh, well, I guess, first of all, Armando, do you have any other questions? Anything else that comes up in, in your mind? Anything you're curious so, about? Um, I just wanted to also mention, I'm assuming that we'll put these um, along with the podcast 
Guthrie shared a, a link to his photos from this trip. And I'm looking, you know, I'm, as you're talking about the raft portion, I'm looking at his photos of the, his bike on the raft and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Presumably we can share those. Yep. Awesome. It's yeah, on the internet. There's no taking it back now. <laughs> that is true. Uh, very cool. I, I guess, is there anything else that we haven't chatted about yet that kind of stands out to you, Guthrie, as kind of like a, a prime takeaway, especially just thinking that COVID-19 is a thing that's going to be here with us for a while. Even if we get vaccinations, we're still going to have to take precautions and, and we're still going to have to do what's right for our fellow person. So um, particularly your experience around this, I think we started with it, but just ending with it, like any thoughts on kind of what this looks like going forward? Oh, um, I think we all take risks, some of them more calculated than others. Um, and I think that, uh, one of the safer ways of exploring the outside that I've found is just solo biking. Uh, I don't really have any words of wisdom other than, you know, love yourself, love others. And uh, we're not all that different than you think at the end of the day. I would argue, Guthrie, that you're a very wise man. And so I think uh, all of them are words of wisdom. And if they're all oh, words well, of wisdom, well, then, none, then none of them are words of wisdom. Did that come out right? <laughs> is that what, did I say what I meant to? <laughs> what I want to do is compliment you and thank you for, for taking the time to share your stuff. And I really do appreciate your perspective. And I think a lot of other people do too. So, Oh, no worries. Yeah, yeah. we'll... Yeah, we're, we're figuring this thing out day by day. That's all it's yeah. ever been. Absolutely. And and steel is real, and old man touring persists. Yeah, it's, I'm a I like, I like vintage, 31 vintage old man touring. <laughs> vintage, classic touring, yes. <laughs> classic for well, My, my problem touring. was I just bought a durable bike 10 years ago, and well, it's still here. <laughs> <laughs> Telling me not to, not to get the most out of my investment. Yeah, exactly. Why would you, why, why would you not use it? That's right. Yeah. I think I got my bike at the wrong time, right? I, I got the classic touring bike when, uh, when everybody was done doing classic touring. And it turns out at the time when I was done doing classic touring as well. <laughs> oh, no. But <laughs> <laughs> not, not for lack of desire and not because I think it's the last time I'll ever do it. But I, I do think like, it's just with uh, my station in life, I've got kids and, uh, and just moved. And, and now I'm a goddamn homeowner, which means I got to take care of all that. I, the days that I would usually be, uh, bicycle touring now i'll be power washing my chimney or something so one step at a time but i i plan to get back to it so and again your stories guthrie are inspirational so thanks for sharing those yeah always happy to if i if anyone has any questions or wants to learn more um you're always welcome to reach out yeah yep and uh you know where to find us all right well i think that probably does it eh? i don't think we have uh news or mail necessarily no. Um, well, we do have it. Do we have the uh, the uh, piano music? There it is. Is this you, Guthrie, playing? It sure is. <laughs> we'll have to add your uh, your remix, bro. Uh, so the thing that's most important to share is that every fourth Wednesday with Courtney Williams at 6 p.m. Eastern, because Courtney Williams is the New York City bike mayor 
on Zoom. You can uh, find out there's a free bike education thing that Courtney has been doing. And uh, it's a great resource, especially in this time when more of us are looking for things to do. Uh, and it's not some streaming show by a band that you barely know, because none of the bands I like are doing streaming. And you know what? Screw it. It's not, it's, it's, yeah, whatever. Sorry, that, that's my personal thing. Uh, you can find Courtney at The Brown Bike Girl. And uh, she's going to be sharing, again, free bike education every fourth Wednesday. And uh, it's worth it. It's worth tuning into. Uh, if there are other things like that, we, like we may have shared, uh, we have tuned down, dialed down our calendar. Uh, of note, Lads 500 is canceled. Not just last year that was rescheduled this year, but also this year. So no more Lads for now. We'll find out what happens in the future. But uh, as you know, we're kind of we're cooling the calendar. We're, we're not doing events. So in some ways, yeah, speaking of another that, home, but, homeowner. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that that is true. There are other there there are other things to be power washed, I suppose. Um, so I think uh, with that, if you folks listening have other online events, if you have things, if you have uh, responsible events such as bike tag that you'd like to promote uh, that don't involve people getting together and passing all their dirty viruses around to each other, uh, let us know. And uh, I guess with that, we can we can tell people our contact information, right? And we can do that as we read the credits. Cool. So we haven't talked about how we want to do credits. Do we want to do, uh, I, I guess, Armando, you and I, Guthrie, you want to be on this on this credit read as well? Um, Whatever your preference is. Come on do in. One, two, three. Okie dokie. One, two, three. All right. Uh, uh, what? Host in order of seniority? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh, Brock, Guthrie, Armando. All right. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at home. Until we can get that sweet, sweet COVID vaccine, which now is not as much time as it used to be. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text. And we mean that. Send us stuff. Call us. We want your voice on the show. 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurtbird, the disbanded Portland band for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our patron supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson, who is currently van-lifing. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney. Len Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Wise. Doug Cohen-Miller, Todd Parker, Chris Smith. Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Keeley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt. Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Andrew in Colorado. Drew the welder. Anna. Uh, he is home right now, as a matter of fact. And it's possible you're helping take care of him. Andre Johnson. King of Division. Richard G. Yours truly. There he is. Uh, <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Who really did some great work recently on Instagram. Check him out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Mac Nurse David, who fixed our computer back in the day. And now he is fixed with the virus as well. He got his vaccine. Nathan Poulton. Rory in Michigan. Jeremy Kitchen. David Belay. Tim Coleman. Harry Hugel. EJ Finneran. Brad Hipwell. Thomas Skato. Keith Hutchinson. Ranger Tom. Joyce Wilson. Ryan Tam. Jason Optenberg. Microcosm Publishing. David Moore. Todd Grossbeck. Chris Barron. Chris Barron. Chris Barron. And Chris, Chris Barron. Barron. 
Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna. Hey, that's me. Hey. Matthew Rooks. <laughs> I like how everybody got themselves. Marshall, Paula at Funitake, Bicycle Craft. Cycle Craft. Philip M. Spartandale, no relation. Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative Kiwana and Sarah G. Adam D, go dig a hole, Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, also. Isaac M, Dave Christensen, 503. Byron Patterson, hello, mate. Kirsten Graham, Aaron G. Rachel Moline, and welcome back to our newest and returning donor, Jimmy Diesel. And all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now wash your hands. And wear your mask. And brush your teeth. Get off the internet. (laughs) Go to bed. (laughs) Well done.